I keep grounding myself in this uh, voice of Tia that says nothing is happening right now. <laughs> um, in my body, I feel um, such tremendous um, vibration. I, I feel, I think, uh, in this uh, stillness, it's, uh, for me, the stillness is, uh, is a very energized field. Or maybe you could say that the stillness energizes and harmonizes and intensifies the field. And so um, before we turn the camera on, everyone's here and then um, I sit here. And um, It's a terrible thing to give a Dharma talk because if you're sitting and going through this, you're doing it very privately. So what's happening for me is, I think the way I'm, I'm, I'm describing it to myself is the experience I'm having is that I'm just um, trying to, to, like there's a, um, uh, my body needs to, is expanding, my heart is expanding with each person that popped up on the screen. And just intensifying the field and um, just kind of overwhelming my heart. Once I met with Reb in, um, in practice discussion, you know, I had this kind of experience where I'm, you know, I, I feel really spacious. And then I move into this other field where it's like I'm getting blown open. And the, uh, the emotion is kind of like the the resistance or the you know or the or the um the impact of the shift in the energy field or the atmosphere <laughs> and i i think part of it is that um until this moment It's like a deepening of trust and faith, too. Which is uh, faith in, and trust in the Dharma. And um, in just um, meeting with some of you, have I haven't met with all of you, but it, each one of you that I meet with, I have been um, kind of blown away by your practice. And the, and the practicing of each of you in this field, in this new environment. And I think um, when you came all on the screen, I didn't feel like you were far away. I kind of got overwhelmed by your presence.
thought it was going to be a watery day for me today. <laughs> so, um, also part of it is, you know, I, I'm really letting myself just not, you know, the, the, the talk I want to give is about boundaries. Um, so it's kind of appropriate because, you know, I, I wanted to speak about the um, falseness of boundaries or the permeability of boundaries. And um, in a way, you know, it just happened right here. So, you know, to, to enact Rahatsu, uh, to be able to do this ceremony of Rahatsu, we had to uh, loosen the boundaries of our ideas, our conceptualities of what a temple is, what practice looks like, what Sangha looks like and feels like, what practice feels like. So. We're doing that. And um, in speaking with you all, I was so heartened to find out how um, beautifully you were navigating this um, fluidity and flexibility and, and uh, opening up uh, some idea that about what temple is. And you know, ultimately, in nature and in life, there's actually no dividing boundaries between anything, any people, any experience. But that can be a really hard thing to live, feel, you know, right here when, when I, I felt all of you so powerfully move through my heart, I, it's like, you know, <laughs> it's kind of a little much. <laughs> and I think this is what um, it feels like whenever we sit Sashin and sit Rahatsu together, we're really in a process of, of loosening boundaries of, of sensing and making feeling ourselves to be wider and deeper in all directions. And feeling the uh, boundaries that we make up in our hearts and our minds, you know, we had a lot of boundary ideas, most of us, you know, around what the temple is and what the temple should feel like and what it shouldn't feel like and who should be in it and who shouldn't be in it and how we're supposed to feel inside of it and what we're not what's we're not supposed to feel inside of it and so much of our suffering is a is a result of this yeah you know we make we create opposites and we keep dividing up holes into pieces and then we don't even realize, but we like stake a ground on one side or the other side. You know, we create this imaginary line and then we fight to the death around it. I was thinking about um, 
this terrible game we used to play in gym when I was a kid. Maybe you guys play called dodgeball. <laughs> it's a terrible game. You know, like the, the um, gym teacher chooses sides. Everybody gets divided up into one side or the other. And then these are your enemies, you know. And then I don't, in a gym, you know, it was usually inside when it was too inclement to go outside to play. So we go in the gym. I hated when it rained because of this. And then they would put a line across the gym floor and there'd be a bunch of people on this side, a bunch of people on that side. I don't remember exactly how the game worked, but we had these balls and whoever was on the other side, you would throw the ball, like these big red rubber balls and you throw them at the other person. And what you're supposed to do is hit them. And if you hit them, you'd eliminate them. They go out of the game and you get hit. And you'd be dodging them. <laughs> what great training for life, huh? So, and we think somehow that, you know, harmony or winning, you know, or is, is, is like eliminating everybody on this other side that we've created. And we do that, we do that in Zazen, we do that with each other, we do that in Sangha, we do this in our lives and in our communities. We think harmony arises when we eliminate or get rid of something that doesn't match the side we're on. You know, I am in Zazen, I should be compassionate. What is this? irritation I'm having right now, you know, what is this uh, wanting to kill this other person, you know, who's uh, just sitting here next to me. I want to, I want to hold on to this thing. So I have to get rid of this other thing that's intruding on this thing I want to be with right now. It's such a fragile, violent harmony. <clears throat> In a way, you can say all suffering is this boundary making that we do. I am this, I am not this. I can do this, I can't do that. And we don't see that when we're attacking the other, attacking this aspect of ourself or attacking something that we feel is uh, wrong, that we're attacking ourselves. When we grab one side, we are destroying this deeper balance, you know? When we shoot young men who are trying to enter into their home, we're killing ourselves. Just Someone shared with me another article about forests and, um, you know, with the climate change, there's been um, all these forest fires on the California, in the California coastline. And these uh, beautiful elder beings, these mature sequoias and, um, and other thousands of year old species, you know, back to the Bible, are being wiped out. all these elders, as well as the elder beings in our nursing homes, you know, and I could go on. 
So I guess I'm also appreciating the courage of all of you who are being willing to stop and sit and listen and feel into this boundary making process. To feel into the way we do that and the process of zazen is this process of loosening that right that the stillness the stillness we create um, is essential to cultivating this greater harmony so you know, Kosin had talked about let things be as they are. So one of the ways that we start loosening the boundaries is we stop interfering in the boundary making. We just let things be as they are and something comes up in our field, you know, and it will. There's this kind of, it's wonderful how life works, you know, that there's an insistent disruption to any superficial harmony we make, you know. We think we got it all like, just about right, <laughs> you know? And then all of a sudden something appears in the field, react, you know, maybe whether up within us, you know? Like when I turned on this, when the screen came on and you all popped in, or somebody uh, says a little something to you, or you recognize how you've been, you know, creating some tension around other family members you're with who aren't sitting, you know, and they come in and they're not with the program, maybe, you know. <laughs> and I've been listening and hearing how well and beautifully you're working with this, with these um, disruptions, you know, to the harmony or purity of yours, of your temple. <laughs> and it happens here as well. <laughs> No worries. And then uh, we start to uh, rely on the stillness, you know, this not moving. And I think at first, I actually really always had a little bit of trouble with stillness because with my conditioning, stillness meant I wasn't allowed to live. I wasn't allowed to breathe. I wasn't allowed to move. I heard it as oppressive. And then, um, and I actually think in a way it's okay at first that we actually need to really like maybe uh, have a very strong counterforce, you know, to that, uh, or my tendency to really just be so moved around by everything. And I know all of you who are not sitting in this center, in this setting, have had to really find your own, uh, like your own, we would say, your own Eno, you know? <laughs> and learn, you know, when the moving is a moving that's um, a disruption of stillness or a need to harmonize into a greatest stillness, you know, by including your, your aching foot, you know? or your, uh, your, the plea of your child or wife or partner or dog. That even the stillness can become a, um, a 
an opposition to something else, you know, that we don't want to include. And then it has to break open, our idea of it has to break open. And it's relentless if we listen to the uh, request of the stillness. I think, you know, we have to absorb more and more, which is why I think this stillness has this quality of aliveness to it. It's almost, you know, it's almost like absorbing everything into it. And it's, it's like there's so much aliveness, you know, and the stillness helps us um, include what we have um, been kind of deadening out or keeping out. So this idea of the spaciousness helps us to do that. We notice we're at, we're at the edge of that for ourselves. And maybe by this fourth day, you're able to really feel the relief and the relaxation um, of the capacity of your energetic being to be in more harmony with what's happening so that things arise up from the surface or out from all directions and you 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 watch it arise there's like something watching it arise and you're and it's not like you're distant from it you're in you're with it right you're open and receptive and active This is why I love practice discussion, you know, during Sashin. It's like, here you are, here I am, let's go. <laughs> What's going to happen? But it's not a manipulating making it happen. It's like what arises between in this moment. And then how do we, you know, really move any ideas we have of ourselves, ourself and other, and just see, uh, Play, we play. <clears throat> and then it goes. So, um, you know, when everybody I'm meeting with, I, I almost feel as if I would love for it. It's the Dharma is speaking through you so much. And I meet with each of you and there's your own unique way of expressing your practice and your, the Dharma, and it has such poetry to it, you know? <laughs> and I'm so absorbent, you know, each, each person I meet with, I'm like, that's the metaphor. Wow, that's the metaphor. <laughs> yes, <laughs> let's play in that field, you know? So uh, yesterday, um, uh, in speaking about um, this 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 lack of boundary between temple and home, you know, someone described it as an estuary, right? <clears throat> and I love that because the the water metaphor feels so alive for me. You know, this idea of this this movement, this tide in and out of two different kind of water systems meeting, you know. They're different and yet they flow into each other. You know, we are, we are, you are in your, your position here and 
we are in this position here and we're flowing into each other, influencing each other, affecting each other. And um, often in Sashin, the water element comes up because as I quiet down, the stillness is this movement of breath in and out, always for me, oh, in and out, like the ocean. And that's how we are together, in and out, meeting, returning, meeting, returning, opening up, being disrupted by what, what, what needs to be, what do I need to be still with in order to deeply meet this moment? What do I need to release? What am I holding on to? What am I, what am I doing that's not allowing me to like go into that stream? It's so fun to play with with metaphors, you know, so I keep thinking about the turtle. I wanted to return to the turtle because I'm kind of attached to the turtle now. <laughs> um, and this morning I thought of um, Finding Nemo, you know, the movie Finding Nemo. And I remembered there was this scene, right? I think it was it was a turtle, kind of like a California dude turtle. I think it was. <laughs> who was teaching Nemo to kind of like go into this current, right? Like, like, come on, let's go play in this current. And, um, and it's kind of like, this is the, this is the request or are we, can we stop holding back and allow ourselves to like kind of ride in this current, you know, and maybe sometimes the current is like this little, stream like merrily 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 going down the stream feeling it in this kind of like beautiful flowing way and sometimes it's like a wild painful heartbreaking current deep current that we're asked to connect with and feel into and and go with and care for So it takes trust and faith to be able to, you know, pull up the, the masking tape of that line, you know, and, um, you know, maybe we put our balls down, but the other side doesn't put their balls down. And then I just had the thought, well, we're a turtle, you know, we got our shell, so it's okay, we'll go into our shell. <laughs> and then maybe we'll stick our head out, you know. <laughs> Thinking about, we were talking uh, in um, a study group about uh, this um, teaching in the Lotus Sutra, the Bodhisattva never disparage, you know. And no matter what's getting hurled at him, no matter how many balls are getting hurled at him, he doesn't throw any balls back. You know, he might like pull in his his head and his arms a little bit, you know, and then he'll pop his head out and say, it's OK. I love you. <laughs> You're going to wake up someday. It's OK. 
So it takes, again, tremendous faith and energy and courage to surrender to this way of being. And I, I think also part of the reason I was so moved um, and looking at all of you is, is this um, feeling, you know, Kosin talked about and I talked about of just that we are, we are um, enacting not just a ceremony of Rahatsu, we are um, enacting um, a community that's um, trying not to divide. And we're also have the intention to not create superficial harmony, you know? To not be polite, but to be deeply kind and to be willing to be moved around by each other, to be disrupted and return and engage and return to each other. To have a tenacity to return despite you fill in the blank. And that we also uh, have as bodhisattvas a um, willingness to not even prefer, you know, nirvana over samsara. I mentioned to somebody the other day, you know, that I had just read how the Dalai Lama, I think I was speaking to Erica, and I just read something that the Dalai Lama said in their next lifetime, they hope they come back to a world full of suffering. <laughs> what? Right? Maybe I mentioned that the other day, I don't know. It's just been sitting with me. So this is, uh, this is uh, an amazing thing that we actually almost see it as a training, right? It strengthens us. And we're doing this not just for ourselves individually, not just for ourselves as a Sangha, but we're doing this so that we can be in help the world to be in deeper harmony with itself. And I know that sounds really grand. <laughs> but I think we need some really grand, something really big, a big aspiration to meet the really big suffering. And we take moments like this, like Rahatsu, and we come together and we do it in this very powerful way to remind us of something very deep inside of each of us. And then we don't get attached to that either, you know? <laughs> we go eat lunch. Mm -hmm. And in the next moment, we meet each other and that big aspiration, you know, meets the small self who, who's like annoyed by the request, you know, to go clean the bathroom <laughs> or whatever else somebody might ask of you at your home. That's okay.
I just think um, this Rahatsu has just really deepened my faith and my joy and my determination. So I thank you for that. So we have some more sitting to do and chanting to do and cookies to eat and we have another day in this very um, this very important container we're creating, continuing to create. So, you know, as, as, as Kosin says, you know, said yesterday, let's stay right here. Let's be still in it. Let's open up to whatever it's offering up to us. you to feel into the wholeness of all of it together and we're just sitting still like these big old trees you know absorbing absorbing the pollutants you know in into our leaves transforming them the quiet of that while we're spinning around in, in space. Maybe let yourself be moved by life. It's such beauty. May, May our intention equally penetrate every being Thank you for listening to this podcast offered by the Brooklyn Zen Center. Our programs are given free of charge and made possible by the donations we receive. For more information on supporting Brooklyn Zen Center, please visit the giving section of brooklynzen.org.